So welcome to episode two of the Globecast. And this afternoon, I have, well, in actually in your time, Linda, it's this evening in London, but here in uh, Laguna Beach, it's still afternoon. But anyway, I have Linda Burns with me today. So welcome, Linda Burns. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Peter. It's really good to be talking to you. Yes, I'm very much looking forward to this. So um, you have such an interesting career. Uh, you want to kind of just tell me about your current role, and then we can kind of talk through your career a bit more, because I think it's really fascinating. Okay, well, thank you. Let's hope you still think that at the end. Um, so currently I work for a training organization called Corndell Limited, and um, it's a startup. Well, it was a startup two years ago. They're just about to enter phase two. Uh, so they're looking to, um, you know, looking for investors to build the company and build on their vision. Um, I am a professional development expert in project management so I'm not a trainer and I'm not a coach I'm kind of a, a, a hybrid of the two and my role is to work with um, adult apprentices to teach them and coach them in project management and it's a job that I really enjoy because um, it gives me an opportunity to do something that I really love which is to work with people and develop them and help them sort of fulfill their potential and be the best version of themselves and um, also, it also gives me an opportunity to work in a field that I didn't realize I was quite so passionate about, which is project management and improving project management. Excellent. Excellent. So great. So um, great, great sounding career as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I would love to be in your in your classes. Maybe I need to start with you. <laughs> um, and uh so your career progression, can you walk me through a little bit how you kind of arrived to this point? So um, I have been in project, I've been in project management um, for about 30 years now. Um, it's been it's like 30 years, really? Is it that long? But um, yes, it is. So I started as a graduate yeah. trainee working for um, in London Transport, as it was then known, and I worked on the bus side. I did start um, kind of as an operations management trainee, and I did a whole variety of um, of, of attachments as we call them placements or internships as you would call them now um, so I did everything from working in um, where did I work I worked in a bus garage I um, learned to drive a double-decker bus I learned about the business side so I looked at the commercial side I looked at the marketing side I looked at HR planning scheduling all those different things and that was the start of um, kind of my curiosity for um, you know, working in an environment where you made a difference and you did something that had a positive impact on people's lives and trying to improve, you know, public transport and provide the best possible service was something I was really interested in. So it sparked a career um, that I spent about 15 years working in transport in roles across London Underground and um, London buses. Um, quite significantly, I worked on the Oyster Card project in London and I was responsible for the implementation of the Oyster Card right across the bus fleet, which was about, at the time, about 5,600 buses and in about 85 different sites with about 10,000 staff that were involved in that rollout as well. Um, I think one of the key things for me in terms of my career, when I was, um, when I was at university, what I really wanted to do, I was thinking about my career and I thought, I don't want to work in something that's a traditionally female role. Um, I wanted to do something. I think it's almost perverse, 
you know, determination to sort of challenge, challenge the status quo. And I wanted to do something that um, wasn't seen as being traditionally female. So uh, coupling that with the, the desire to want to do something that made a difference, kind of transport seemed to be a good bedfellow for me. And also then it had the environmental side as well, which kind of 30 years ago we didn't think about so much, but it was really important for me to think about getting people out with private cars and onto public transport. And working for London Underground and Transport for London was just the most amazing education. It was challenging, it was difficult at times, it was horrible at times. Um, but I look back now and I think I had the most amazing experience professionally and also personally with the colleagues that I met, but also the training that it, that it gave me, that it afforded me and the experiences I gained. And they have served me well right through my career. So um, I've also worked in um, local government, um, again, wanting to do something that um, focused on, you know, having a positive impact on my community and you know the wider community in terms of you know public transport um, I then worked in um, went back to Transport for London worked there for about five years in the capital programs directorate which was great fun um, but also through a very very challenging time when one of the PPP partners one of the um, big um, gosh can't remember what PPP stands for now Public private partnerships, that's it. They were very controversial oh, at the time. Yeah. They were very controversial at the time. It was a type of um, PFI, private finance initiative. And one of the partners went bust. And, um, you know, it, it was pretty big. It was like a 30 billion pound contract. Um, and I was part of the team that helped sort of reintegrate um, that failed partner back into the bit, all the, all the functions back into the business. So again, it was really interesting. It was really challenging, but I was also really driven at that point because at that point as well, we were talking about, you know, rationalization and maybe job losses. And I was really driven about making sure that we treated people with respect and with dignity in those difficult times and that we did the right thing. We did the right thing for the company and we did the right thing for the people that work there too. Awesome. So that's, maybe like chapter five. <laughs> yeah. So um, after that, I went to, I um, had a short spell um, in financial services, um, which is possibly the most, I don't mean to insult anybody, but it's possibly the most boring 11 months of my life. I, it was my first sort of foray properly into the private sector and I thought it was going to be fueled by caffeine and like, you know, be really intense, really intense meeting. But it was, um, it was more bureaucratic than anywhere I'd ever worked before. Um, lots of people drank herbal tea and everybody seemed to disappear at lunchtime for runs. So this whole sort of thing about, you know, the public sector and this terrible stereotype of public sector workers being sort of lazy. I didn't, I never recognized that. And then I went to the private sector and I'm thinking, what's going on here? This isn't quite what I was expecting. They didn't have the same, didn't have the same drive because they weren't necessarily working for the same purpose and for the same intent so it's very different working to you know push the share price up than it is to actually make a positive impact on people's lives right right that makes sense yeah interesting so the rest of it really uh, following that is a case of uh, what did I say it's about chance happenstance drive and curiosity and a pinch of necessity thrown in as well. 
so um, cool. <laughs> I, <laughs> I decided to um, to go into contracting and I started working for um, a, a university a global top 10 university in their estates department um, helping them set up a portfolio services division um, they had a massive increase in their capital expenditure and they needed to put a more structured um, you know supporting project and program and portfolio management systems and processes in place and I worked there for two years um, and it was a fantastic experience working with people from a really wide variety of backgrounds and you know trying again to to help improve performance um, there was a strategic element of it which I really enjoyed um, and then there was the real sort of the personal stuff as well about helping people who weren't traditionally seen as project managers help them to improve you know their understanding of what we needed to do why it was important why it made a difference and also you know helping them develop professionally mm -hmm. wow. I kind of switched also into um, change management um, change program management um, because that was very much um, in demand uh, at the time because organizations were going through lots of uh, lots of change um, in local government and also in um, non-departmental government bodies where I also worked um, we were going through you know a period of austerity and we had to make efficiencies and again there was the business challenge of meeting the objectives and driving out the benefits but also for me there was the personal challenge again of acting with integrity and people treating people with respect and dignity and trying to get the work you know deliver what the business needed but in a way that people weren't sort of trampled on right right that's kind of been a, a theme throughout your career it seems like yeah right. i hope so. it has for me and i hope that other people would say well yes she did do that <laughs> Yeah, that, right, right. That would be important to me. So my final, before I joined um, Corndell, my final role was a perfect example of, you know, having, you know, being open to, to opportunities and um, weighing up the risk and kind of jumping in and saying, well, okay, I'll have a go. So I went to work um, for an agri-tech innovation company based in the north of England and um, I was there about six weeks and unfortunately the CEO had to depart uh, the business and um, I was asked to step up and take on the role of chief operating officer and that was a really really interesting fun challenging rewarding frustrating experience and uh, I'm really glad that I did it. Mm, tell me more about this one this sounds like a, an interesting <laughs> Interesting turn. Tell me about all those different elements um, in turn, you know, the, the rewarding, interesting, and the uh, frustrating, all those pieces of that. So, um, I, as I said, unfortunately, there was a, the, the, um, the CEO departed from the business and there was a gap to fill. And one of my colleagues nominated me, so I went up to the, the chair of the board and said, you should give this to Linda in the interim, Linda could do it. Now, I would never have put myself forward to do that. But once the opportunity was presented to me, I just thought, no one is taking this away from me. So I went back to my hotel room that night and I wrote a turnaround plan. And I said, here are the five things that we need to address to, um, you know, pretty quickly to get this, this organization back on its feet. This is what we need to do. 
and um, I presented that to the uh, the chair and to one of the other board members and I remember the look on their faces they were like they were quite taken aback wow you know she's she knows what she's doing she you know she's got some good ideas so they gave me the opportunity and I worked hard to um, build relationships because there had been issues between the board and the executive so I worked hard to to rebuild that relationship and to get the buy-in from the board for what I wanted to do but also to demonstrate to the board that I was capable and give them the confidence in me and the team to do that so we had a, a very skeleton team for a couple of months there were probably no more than five of us working on it and we had to really work pull together and work hard to make sure that we kept kept the business running so we worked very closely with the chair of the board and we worked really hard to um, give the stakeholders the partners in the business give them the confidence that we were still able to do you know to keep the business running and to achieve the objectives um, and just working together like that was just you know when, when you work in that environment you've got that intensity and that pressure it really you know it, it's sort of sink or swim and we were lucky that you know we all gelled together and we were able to sort of you know keep our heads above water um, when the new the interim CEO came on board um, it was you know we we had to really focus on um, We'd got the funding, but we'd, we'd secured some funding and we had to make sure that we sort of like took the business out of, you know, the jaws of catastrophe and start to rebuild, uh, you know, consolidate and rebuild. Um, so that period was really quite intense. Um, he went off and did the CEO stuff, which he was brilliant at, which meant that I was able to stay behind, well, not stay behind, but I was able to work on the, the sort of business critical projects that we needed to deliver. So working with our partners to kind of like put together a rescue plan, making sure they were clear about what it was that we wanted to de deliver, making sure we were keeping the funders satisfied and happy and confident that we were going to deliver. You know, we had all kinds of setbacks, you know, like planning permission or you can't start the work now because it's a nesting season. So you can't disturb the birds. Um, so we then started the, the biggest project and the most business critical project we then started to try and deliver in the middle of a Yorkshire winter, which, mm. and this is an outdoor engineering project and it's quite an innovative engineer, um, engineering project. So trying to do that in the middle of a very, very wet and cold Yorkshire winter presented challenges in itself. And we had to work really hard as a team within, within our organization and also with our partners to make sure we get that done. Wow. And so then if I recall, um, you know, as I know we talked about this a bit, then this all kind of came to a head and um, you had to make some changes. And so tell me about that period, right? Because that, that yes. that's kind of really an interesting evolution for you, right? It was. It was an interesting evolution because um, I had worked incredibly hard and the job was based, you know, 250 miles away from home. And I have a family at home. I have two teenage sons and my husband and my dogs. And um, so I was away from home a lot. And, you know, we had stuff going on at home and um, we had stuff going on at work. And work, you know, enabled me to kind of, you know, it was, it was a way, a positive way for me to, um, you know, to, to um, feel like I, I was achieving something. And um, it was... It was something that I just completely threw myself into. Um, 
but what I didn't do was you know there were challenges at work and there were challenges at home and I tried to rise to to meet both of those both sets of challenges while traveling up and down the country you know every single week being away from home and what I didn't do was I didn't think about what I needed for my own health and how what the impact of that was also on me professionally and personally so um work kind of you know we got to having worked in projects what i really enjoy is i go in i see the problem i say right this is the problem this is what we need to do to fix it and this is how we're going to fix it and when we're going to fix it by and then i love pulling everybody together getting that sorted really pushing you know driving that to get finished and then um i'm kind of like okay now what's the next thing so at chap that really exciting part you know that turnaround the rescue the delivery the that had that had finished and the company was in a far better position it was far more stable we had the target operating model in place we had the core team recruited and um in hindsight it was probably the right time for me to go in fact it probably had would have been the right time for me to go about nine months earlier but when you're in the middle of it you don't always recognize that so it was kind of a natural a natural thing that was prompted by um basically becoming unwell having put myself under so much pressure i'd become unwell because i hadn't been looking after myself and prioritizing myself so you know you know they say when those oxygen masks come down on the plane you put your own on first because you can't help anybody else well i was the one who was helping everybody else and gasping for breath on the floor <laughs> on the floor so um right. it was it was important that i did take that time and stop it was important to stop and recognize that actually you don't have to keep going all the time so i thought okay so i'm going to take some time off now okay so this is going to sound ridiculous but the first thing i did was i went out and i bought myself a pair of tap shoes and i <laughs> i thought okay i'm going to go for tap dancing lessons i used to love it when i was a kid i really enjoy it i'm going to give it another go well those tap shoes are still under my bed and they have never mm. been used in anger and mm. sometimes occasionally with my learners when they say to me i'm going to do this 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 and this and i'm going why are you setting yourself these completely unrealistic targets and goals and I pick up the tap shoes and I put them in front of the camera and I say, what are these? And they look at me and they go, what? <laughs> they, they're tap shoes. I say, yes, they're tap shoes. And then I tell them the story about how, you know, almost literally the first thing I did after I left my job was I went out and bought a pair of tap shoes. And it's like, you don't have to have those things all the time. Sometimes you need to stop and just pause and think rather than mm. actually having to do so that was an important lesson that I learned and uh, it was hard it was difficult I thought um, I remember a friend saying to me you're going to need to take a year off and I was like don't be so ridiculous I've never been out of work for more than 12 weeks well no, no five weeks in my life and that was when my husband had an accident and I had to look after him so um, it was it was a shock to me that after six months I still wasn't ready to go back and I knew I wasn't ready and then I started to look for different roles and I was looking at the same sort of level that I was at before. And I was thinking, right, what is it that I really like? I really like the strategic side and I like being a senior position so I can, you know, I can make an impact and I can, 
contribute to the, the strategy development and the direction of the organization and make sure we do things in the right way. And it became quite obvious that actually, A, the job market was very difficult and B, that really wasn't what I wanted and what I needed at that time. So um, I just kind of thought, well, what is it that I, what else do I really like? And what I do really like, I guess I've said, is working and developing people. Mm. So I'm now able to um, sort of challenge that, that drive and creativity and that problem solving that I had before and challenging it, use, channel that in a different way. And what I do now is I use that to uh, try and help my learners with sort of, you know, creative ways to um, solve problems that they might be experiencing at work. I might coach them through that or different ways in which they might approach their learning, um, you know, and share my experience. And I, I really enjoy that. It's interesting because the, the people orientation that you've had really your whole career, yeah. back from when you started out in the buses, right? Yeah. That actually came to be the main thing now that you're really focused on and through all this route that you took, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So interesting. Yeah. Mm. And, so, and I think one of the great things about the company I work for now is that they have, so, you know, you get to a point where you realize it's important to work in an organization where you share values. And I share values. My values and Condell values are, are quite well aligned. So they treat people with respect. They value their employees. Our, our chief exec will say, you know, we're so lucky to have you, you know, and he's, he, he, he's sincere in that. He's actually probably the most sincere chief exec I've ever worked for. Hmm. Wow. Great. So, um, so what, out of all this evolution and this path, it's an incredible path. I love it. Um, what would you say, you know, you've, you know, you've talked a little bit about the values, but just in terms of, you know, looking back over this path, you know, what, what kind of values, priorities, choices, you know, has it taught you about, or, or would you, would you even make differently if you were to, to redo some of it? Oh, if I was to redo it, I might even go into a completely different career. Yeah. Yeah. If I hadn't had that, I'm not going to go into a traditional female role. I might've gone into nursing and yeah. my career path, you know, and, and perhaps if I'd been more broad minded, more open minded at that point, I would have seen the opportunities that would have been available to me in that as a career. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I think now, I think, um, you know, being a female in a non-traditional um, environment, work environment in the 1990s was hard, was really hard. So, um, you know, some of the things that not even, they wouldn't necessarily even have been acceptable then in those days, they would have been uncommon, but the way in which they were they were dealt with was totally unacceptable now you know there was an instance where one driver threatened to assault me and throw me in the river in the river thames and wow. um he wasn't dismissed for that you know these days okay. if he'd made a threat like that you would call the police right. okay so i think um one of the things looking back is i i would hope that i could say that's not acceptable a bit more rather than worry about oh, that might affect my career. Um, so as I've got older, I've learned more experienced. I've learned to say, that's not acceptable. 
that's not acceptable behavior or that's not an acceptable practice and to challenge more mm. so that's something i've also had to learn and learn how to do that in the most you know the most effective way okay um i would hope that you know i would i look back now and i think yes continue to treat people um with respect um remember that the workplace doesn't have to be a gladiatorial 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 or whatever yeah a combative yeah. environment <laughs> <I got> you. <laughs> <laughs> um and you know that uh people go to work for different reasons and respecting mm. those reasons and those motivators for people mm. and, and oh. taking into consideration what drives them and, and you know what's important for them oh excellent excellent Cool. Well, um, wonderful. Loved, loved hearing about that. Thank you so much, uh, Linda. Anything else you'd like to say as a parting wisdom for anyone that's uh, navigating a career paths these days? Yeah, I would say um, keep an eye out for opportunities. And when they come your way, um, weigh up the risk and don't be afraid to take a risk. A friend of mine gave me some advice. She said, you're a resourceful person. Why are you worrying about something that hasn't actually happened yet? You're a resourceful person. You'll figure it out. So yeah. that's one of the things I would say to people. The, the times that I've made the big jumps in my career that have been probably the most rewarding are when I've gone, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to mm. take a chance and I'm going to do it. And if it doesn't work, I'll figure it out kind of like leap and the net will appear or at least the yes. other elements will appear. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Linda Burns. You're welcome, Peter. And Thank you.